The Suffering Podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other major podcast platform. Please subscribe and like to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. You can also find our latest episodes at thesufferingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Feel free to comment. We may read your comments on future podcasts and even reach out to you for a future guest spot. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Suffering Podcast. Here you'll see links to episodes, updates, and inside information on how to achieve greatness through the joy of suffering. We are proud to introduce the Dented Development Project. In conjunction with the Suffering Podcast, the Dented Development Project is a nonprofit 501c3 with a mission. That's to help first responders and their families repair dents caused by suffering. Visit us at DentedDevelopmentProject.com and get involved today. Helping us means that we can take care of those who take care of us. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. And strap in. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. It's time for the suffering podcast. Welcome to the Suffering Podcast. Each episode, we walk you through how suffering is the way to sustainable success and the path to greatness. So sit down and strap in. This is going to hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. All new Suffering Podcast gear is here. The show depends heavily on our supporters to get the word out. Let people know that suffering is a team sport and no one is alone in their struggles. Wearing the Suffering Podcast merchandise accomplishes that goal. Check out our store at thesufferingpodcast.com or check our show notes for the link. Your support and love means everything to us. Caffeina is now part of the Suffering Podcast family. We all need a boost of energy from time to time. Rather than reach for that fifth cup of coffee or grabbing a sugary, chemical-laden energy drink, choose the better alternative. That better alternative is Caffeina. Caffeina is a delicious caffeine and electrolyte-infused spring water that is micro-filtered for purity. It's a delicious and refreshing natural energy drink that delivers the most vital of elements to us, and that's water. There is no aftertaste, no chemicals, and no sugar. Caffeina is a perfect source for pre- and post-workout, morning or afternoon pick-me-up, or just something refreshing to quench your thirst. Caffeina is listed as Amazon's choice on Amazon.com, and that comes with free shipping. Just search Caffeina, C-A-F-E-I-N-A, or check out our show notes for the link. Put a little pep in your step while still feeling good about the products you put in your body. Stay hydrated, stay awake, stay healthy with Caffeina. There is another side to suffering. Suffering is not the end, but it's only the beginning. It's a window and a blueprint to plan the characteristics of your life that need to be changed, or more importantly, that you want to change. To identify a problem in your life is the first step to recovery. 
It's when the light at the end of the tunnel begins to shine through. The path to that light is paved in your own struggles and by your own demons. The other side of suffering is a beautiful place. It's a place of victory. It's a place of peace, even if only for a moment. To exemplify my theory, mountain climbers stand on the top of a mountain peak that they just traversed with awe and admiration, knowing full well the pain and the suffering that was exerted to make it to the top. The danger for most is the complacency of that victory. You've just suffered and made it through horror. And now what? Where's the new mountain to climb? Where's the new demon to relinquish? It would be easy to fall back into the suffering unless we move forward and build upon our hard work to make ourselves better, stronger, and more resilient. I'm Kevin Donaldson. I'm here with Mike Felace. And on this episode of the Suffering Podcast, we sit down with Stuart Chericello. Thank you so much because my fucking lips don't do that shit. They don't fucking wrap around that name very well. Sicilian, 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 it's easier. Chericello. Chericello? I like that one better. Sicilian Irish. <laughs> it's an old Irish name. Scottish. So we brought in somebody for this episode, somebody very, very special, as a translator to translate the Hoboken accent. And that's Mike De Palma. Mike, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me again. I'm here. <laughs> you're here. Oh, we know you're here. Yeah. The fucking whirlwinds already started started coming around. The, the, the cops called us when you came down the street. Said, "Hey, coming to your house? We were in your garage. I know so. they were casing my garage for quite some time. I was watching them on camera. Surprised the dog's still there. But we are here today to talk about the other side of suffering. Stewie, from what I know, Stewie continues to climb that mountain every day, realizing that the top is the goal, but it's not the finish line. Stewie, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, guys, number one, for having me, Kevin, Mike, and Mike. And let me just say this, number one, I'm definitely a fan of the show because I've, I was just listening to a podcast before I got here. It's always, it, you know what the beauty of it is, like he was saying, there's, there's one side we suffer. The other side is, are we going to come out the other side and how are we going to do it and how are we going to achieve it? Because a lot of people, like, sometimes they're stuck in just what they've been through. They don't know how to get out to the other side. And I think you guys do an excellent job of showing people how to come out of that. And it's, it's an honor. It's an well, honor if somebody, to be here. If somebody does it before you, that they're showing you that it is possible. So you're always stuck inside that bubble and that echo chamber of noises from the past telling you, you can't do it, you can't do it. But there are people who did it. So... There's your blueprint. One, one of our big mottos here is you're not alone. And when you're going through that suffering, you think you're the only one going through that. And you're, you think that you're the only one that something drastic has happened to. And then you realize when there's, there's more people out there that, that have gone through it, it makes it a little bit easier. But having that experience that you guys bring, and also Mike, one of the greatest things that I've got from people who have helped me, they have the ability to make somebody feel comfortable. And that's the beauty which you guys bring to it. You can relax somebody into your, not just on the show, I mean in life. You have your experience and you're comfortable with your experience. You can convey that to somebody a little easier say, hey, it's going to be all right. I've been through it. And there's not enough people doing that. And I believe you. I mean, I don't want, I don't want more shows like this because I want this show to skyrocket, but <laughs> this is needed. This is definitely, especially in this day and age and what's going on today. It took a long time for me to be comfortable with my incident. I'm probably sure with both mics in the room. Absolutely. It, it yeah. took it took a long time. A lot of people along the way doing what we're doing. And we're sort of picking up that torch and carrying it forward. But before we get into any of this, I want to get into this week's social media question. And this one, I believe, is right up your alley, Stewie. Christy writes, "If there was a movie made of your life, who would play you?" Stewie, you're our guest. I want to I want to hear what you have to say. Well, <laughs> We were talking about it early before the show. I mean, I'm not going to say it's an original idea. Kevin said Lila Bacocha. I would say somebody who's comfortable smoking crack. I mean, you have to have, <laughs> you would have to have a pipe in your mouth. You have to let smoke out. 
You'd have to feel comfortable in Harlem walking around three, four o'clock in the morning because we're gonna have to go live on location. Well, you to either, film this thing. You either got. <laughs> <laughs> you either got to have. Uh, well, they're they're not actors. They're politicians. You either got to have Marion Barry or uh, <laughs> Hunter, I also, Hunter Biden. I auditioned for the Marion Barry story. They said I couldn't do it, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> So if you had to pick an actor, who do you think who do you think would uh, be? One of the young cats today, I don't know, man. Leonardo DiCaprio, you have to dye his hair. That's it. We'll go that way. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Mark could do it. Mark, go, Mark could do it. He plays everything, man. He plays Mark's an Italian. Man. He plays an yeah. Irish guy. It's, it's, it's all good. Uh, go. Mike De Palma, what do you think? <laughs> it would have to be Stewie. <laughs> it's the only one. Nobody, could... <laughs> nobody better than that. Honestly, I can't even think of a name right now. So, no, honestly, I mean. Well, they got to get the accent down. I. And he definitely knows the accent. I, I've watched uh, Stewie throughout the years, and he's just a, a crowd pleaser. He's fantastic at what he does. That would be somebody that knew me growing up and the ups and downs. So it'd have to be Stewie. <laughs> and they would have to speak Hobokanese. That's what well, it's right. Hobokanese. Correct. Hobokanese. I'm getting there. Like, I can understand. That's why I bought the Palma, and I wasn't sure how, how your vocabulary was, but I can sort of speak the Palma. But I'm I'm it's not, not easy. For, I'm you gotta not, get oh, certain no. there's certain steps you gotta take. Now I hit myself the, in the head with a hammer four times just so I can understand him. I got a rubber mallet in my bed every time Mike calls me. Hit myself a couple of times. But I thought you said I'm all right, Here's, yeah. <laughs> Here's why Sinatra was so mad on on the waterfront. Sinatra was supposed to play the part of Marlon Brando. Eli Kazam wanted Brando. So I hope Frank Sinatra thought it was a shoo-in because he said in the book I read, uh, a contender, by, it was about Marlon Brando, said he spoke perfect Hoboganese. So Sinatra thought he was a shoo-in. Sinatra was pissed when he didn't get that part. So there you go. And one he, of the unsung heroes yeah. of that movie is Fred Gwynn. It's one of my favorite, yes. one of my yes. favorite actors in that movie. Mike Falace. That's tough. It's got to be someone that's really fucked up. Because <laughs> I've had a lot of fucked up things in my life. But are you talking currently fucked up or... Or oh, from day one. From day one. From day one. Oh, that's like Robert Downey Jr. or something like that. Yeah, you know, you know who I'd go with probably um, Corky from Life Goes On. Now here we go. It's the <laughs> radio. <laughs> radio. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to say like Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Oh, that's a good one, bro. That's a real good one. We, we may, Not so much the look, but the essence. Yeah, we may be able to be on the same wavelength at times. I, it's tough to pick that out. And I had time to look at this question, and I, I have no clue. The only thing I would say is maybe um, the guy from Gladiator. Russell Crowe. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Crow. 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 There you go. Russell Crowe. Crow. Not Russell Crowe from Gladiator, the way he looks now, like 400 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a big white beard, and you know, he's, just, he's just a slob now. Or maybe like the 1980s, 90s version of Marlon Brando. There, there you go. go. Who's there. the guy from the town, and he also played with uh, Mark Wahlberg when he played the... Uh, Oh, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. That's for him right That's there. That's a good one, That's dude. him right there. Shave his, shave his head, Jeremy Renner. I, I've heard Gary Sinise a lot. Gary Sinise. That's heard, another good one. That exactly. Lot, That's a good one. He, he does a lot more good in this world than I do these yeah. days with the Gary, <laughs> Gary Sinise Foundation. Who's the guy that played John Glenn in the, white, in the right stuff? Uh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Another Ed one. Harris. That's another good one. That'd be a good one. He's a little older than two you. Two good actors. Right He's like there. two or three years older days. than you. I think he just turned seventy something. Yeah, so yeah, a couple. <laughs> we went to high school. We went to different high schools together. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stewie, tell us a little bit about yourself. We hear what I know about you, other than what you've told me, comes from Mike De Palma. 
can't always trust this guy. I mean, look at that. Look at that fucking smile over there. You, <laughs> you can't can trust, trust that. You can trust me. You, you can't can trust that trust shit. Me. His middle name is Half Truth. <laughs> Mike, uh, just about Mike, real quick. Mike is probably one of the guys that I would always say I looked at, and you know, although he was he's nuts like us, because I guess you grow up in Hoboken, you become up. But one of the guys you could trust. I never forget the softball game we played. Remember, we had the game before you went to serve, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the second time or the yeah. first time. First. And I was like, wow, I can't believe this guy's really going over, man, to serve. Like, like this, the respect and awe. I said, he's one of us. Like, he's going out to represent. I said, you know, I always held him in that highest regard because, you know, he put his life on his line, you know, for his country, obviously, which I, I respect a hell of a lot because all my family members were service members. But um, just being the kind of man that he is and always always had a smile on my – I seen him actually get mad one time. I don't even know if you remember – when, uh, <laughs> what the hell is that like? Listen, one time, and it was at a girl. It was remember she was carrying the eggs for your oldest daughter. Remember we were in front of the house. You said, "Come here, get over here, get over here, break the egg." But she was rough. I don't want to mess up. But he, I think he smacked him in the pocket and broke him, made him break the eggs. And I see him get like mad. I was like, "Wow, Mike is getting real salty on this one." But uh, that's my man. He always quiet, mild, mad, and you know, Mike's you know make it, you it, laugh. Like I've oh, never man. when he taught. I've never laughed so hard with this guy, and he's talking about some. Fucking awful shit. <laughs> yeah. Fucking awful shit. It's like, man, this was happening, this was happening, and and there comes Hurricane Mike. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> my lip is on the floor. My, li- <laughs> <laughs> my lip is in my toe. That's what I- <laughs> it hit that few times, two times. Mikey lip. There he is. Mikey the, lip. The, the girl with the eggs in her pocket. She didn't have a Mickey Mouse shirt on, did she? <laughs> I was going to say Mickey Mouse, my favorite actor. (laughs) (laughs) Mickey Mouse. That's who should play you in a movie. There you go, Mickey Mouse. (laughs) It's funny you just said that, Mikey Lip, because Mikey Lip is our boy. Yeah, we're just talking about coming over here, Lepowski. He's he's still Mikey Lip because when he told me his when he drinks his lip hits his toe. (laughs) 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 And if I showed you the picture I got when he calls me, it is fucking great. I seen him. I tell you what, I seen. I'm glad he's doing good. But I seen him one day. It was daytime. I mean, it was plastic. Come, I was like, Mike, where are you going? Come, they were carrying him down. I was like, I was like, Hammond. yo, God, ha- dude. Hammered. Yeah, I went through some tough times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look Oof. where you are now. Not true. Like, no li- living yeah. the dream, bro. Yeah. Sitting in a yeah. basement in Mars yeah. Plains. <laughs> loving it, loving it. So tell us a little bit about you. As you guys know, I'm born and raised in Hoboken. I mean, as you, our fans don't know that, but... um, They can just listen. They'll know. Me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Me personally right now, first and foremost, listen, I'm, I try to be a man of God the best of my ability because I know I was one of the few lucky ones that you guys will ever have come on the show. I was blessed to get sober when I was 21 years old. And I was just talking with Mike on the way over here about so many people. Like, uh, you talk to them a week. I was talking to a few guys a week ago, a couple guys a week ago. One died, one's in a hospital, one OD, one don't know if he's going to be a vegetable. It's like the experience, I, I've been so blessed to be pulled along. And me personally, I'm afraid. To not give back and do like you guys do, like give do stuff like that. Because I know me personally, I'm living on borrowed time. I'm blessed to be in a position I'm in in my life at this stage in my life. And one, I tell you what, one of my biggest joys, I was thinking about over like, still, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Sometimes I got a couple of voices in this head telling me, like, it's a little still, scary. Still, who are you? I don't yeah, know. Who still, are you? Yeah, and I just started arguing, who, who, who the fuck are you asking me who I am? Yeah. You ever see Denzel and Hurricane when he's talking to each other? Shut up. That's how I feel like sometimes. I'm nuts. I'm nuts. But thank God I'm, I don't have to put any substance in my body to handle these nuts. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But like I was thinking, one of the biggest joys that I've ever had, being sober, and a good friend of ours, just got sick, took a stroke, Rocco, and uh, 
I saw that post on, yeah. on your Instagram. He, yeah. he gave me one of the greatest joys of my life. Little did I know that it was going to be that. I'm 27 years old, and I'm walking down the street, and he goes, Hey, Stu, I need help coaching Little League. And I'm like, all right. And what, 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 you know, now I'm an athlete. My father had me. I'm, I'm saying I'm a great athlete, but you know, we always play ball. My father had me in football, basketball, baseball. Football was my favorite by far. My father was a track star at Jersey City State. Always had me running track. So I start coaching Little League, and the next thing you know, like, where God wanted me to be, like with the little league and stuff like that. Dude, I, I took a kid in. I adopted a kid off my little league team. His mom was dying of full blown AIDS. His dad was doing life in prison. We actually went to see the father. Father on a technicality actually got out, went back in, and this mm. kid, like I was blessed. Like uh, so many kids, like I'm, a, I'm a part of their lives. It was like it almost is fitting because of the fact that like. I started getting high at a real young age at 12 years old. So it's like, I didn't have, like, I always say, me and this kid, Aaron, that I help out now, he's 23 years old. We were talking this morning. We didn't have those 12, 13, 14, those growing years mentally, like those high school years. I never been to a prom. I've never did nothing like that. I was on the street. You know, I, was, I loved it. You know what I mean? I loved, you know, my dad died. I was young and we'll get into that, whatever. But it was just like, I love to be out there. And, I, you know, listen, if you're an addict, you're an addict. A lot of people could drink. And get high. They don't necessarily make them addicts. You know what I mean? Me, I just crossed the line. It's, bottom line, there's no coming back. There's no just putting it down for me. I just go. So, like, one of my biggest joys was, like, coaching these kids. I just stopped, actually. I just started coaching my daughter now. She's playing softball. Just to have that, to be a coach. I work. I work for the city of Hoboken. I've did it for a number of years. I, I was an entrepreneur for many years doing my own stuff. Like, I did properties and had my own business on the side and all that stuff. And I, I'm an actor. You know, you guys, I showed them a clip before I played a cop. I know these old guys. I'm sitting around three cops here. I never thought that would be the case. Thanks, <laughs> cops. And not being handcuffed and not be questioned. I was going to say, this isn't the first time <laughs> the you've best, been in a room with like, three like, cops like before. The, like, the best time I was in a room, I told Sonny DeVince, I said, come on. Everybody gather around. This is what we want to see. I'm pulling my pants down and smacking me in the face like the clock. And I was like, I didn't whoa, think. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. You brushed over something. You, what the fuck? Are your pants pulled down for? Always the cops. Why are you checking people? You know that. Well, you guys didn't pull. You didn't search people when I, you on a job. That's Hoboken. Yeah, well, no, listen, well, no, no down, comment. <laughs> <laughs> writing t- writing tickets for overnight parking where listen, I was. Listen, listen, that's a great. I gotta just say this story. I get I get caught. This is a great story. Eighty six selling drugs. Two cops come under the come under the umbrella. It was raining. Was selling PCP, which is not. I don't I don't advertise that for any kid to be doing. This is just talk. It's a story. And they come under. They they bust me. We're leaving. My mother comes and gets me out of the cell. Right. She says, uh, "Officer, he's saying he didn't have anything on him." Get out of here. Two bundles of dust. So the guy Hector's going, I didn't have anything either. They pull his underwear down. And bundles of dust go flying out. <laughs> Smack the shit out of him. It was hysterical. I don't know why I told that story, but we're talking about dropping underwear now. But anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But uh, like the road I took to get to where I'm at today, just to be like, and my point is this, just being able to look at as being trustworthy as being around kids. Is a blessing for me the way I was looked at when I was running the street because. But you have something in you, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna. And I, it was the first time I met you when Mike De Palma brings Mike Felice and I to Hoboken into <clears throat> this party that's behind St. Francis's. We're walking down the street. Mike and I have Felice and I have no clue where the hell we are, and we are. Hey, hey, He's like who the fuck? Hey, I know you guys, and you brought us in, and we met up with Mike, and you treated us really like family. You brought us into this, I still to this day think that was the most fucked up, like, we're in the back of a fucking church parking lot, and everybody's having a great time, and that's a Hoboken party. Apparently, right? 
Mike? It is. It is. I was That's waiting a, for like the doo wop songs to start coming out. You know, yeah. the guy's sitting there snapping the, the fingers. And... I was waiting for the van to show up with the back opening up. <laughs> hey, TV here. That's, uh, That's how we did things back then. You know, we were just, it was a big family, Hoboken. But that's the thing, you know, so you guys brought us in. We're strangers. We're outsiders. And you brought well, us in. Well, we had to meet by the Biggies, where the Biggies used to yeah, be. Yeah, where Biggies yeah. used to be. You yeah. know, you yeah. know, we're big. No, I have no fucking idea where Biggies. <laughs> we just, we just came from Piccolo's. Yeah, Piccolo's. Yeah, Wait, yeah that, that's the one down the street, right? Yeah. From there, yeah, I know. That's fucking <laughs> nice. M and P Bianca Manos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's good. But that, you, that, that, but you, you brought us in. You brought outsiders into your small little world, and you made us feel at home. I never once feel at ease in any type of city setting. I don't. Ever since I left Atlantic City when I was a kid, I just don't feel at home in the city until I went to that party in Hoboken where I'm standing there. I felt safe. My guard was dropped a little bit. I was able to breathe a little bit easier. I felt comfortable. So you have that power. And maybe that's why this gentleman, Rocco, asked you to do that because you have this power Mm. to draw people in. And Mike DePalma, you have it as well. I don't know if it's something that's I don't know if it's inbred into you in Hoboken. Uh, I, I, it's just something we were born with and and raised to. You know, Stewie's honestly he's like an angel in Hoboken. It's come on, everybody. Stop. No, I'm I'm just being honest. You know, he everybody he touches a lot of people's lives. You know, oh, and, thank and, God you you put that last part. It touches a lot of people's <laughs> lives. lives. Yeah. Underwear. No, he, he does. That's uh, not touching any women. List. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but Kev, getting back to that party, though, you know, Stewie was the first person we saw there. Mm-hmm. Right, we parked in that parking lot. We're walking around like two tourists because yep. we had no clue where we were going. Once we got in that lot, everybody from Hoboken treated us like family. You're absolutely correct. Get over here, get a cheesesteak. Come over here, you know, you want water, you want this, you need this, you need that. I mean, everybody there was fantastic. And You're probably missing about $5 in your pocket. I don't even know it. But I'm just <laughs> looking. I'm if just, all I'm missing is $5, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's <laughs> worth it. I know. We want a water, man. We got you. So. <laughs> who, who was the guy that was charging us for parking? <laughs> <laughs> Rocco, Rocco. <laughs> there are, it's either Rocco, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, now that we're on that, right? You got Rocco, you got Tony, you know, you got Victor. Sal. Sal. uh, uh, How the fuck are you a steward? (laughs) I tell you, uh, like we said, (laughs) I think my mom was puffing that day. I don't know. She might have smoked a half a joint or something like that. My cousin Mary said she actually tried it once. That might have been a day. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I used to tell my parents and my kids, yeah, I tried it. Yeah, but right. but the name seventy two times. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like a Bill Clinton, right? Yeah, the name the name itself I like because you know, like we grew up all the Spanish girls. So you know, I wasn't a bad looking kid. I was a decent. Looking, so the Spanish girls would be like Stewie, and then I said, "You like the name after that one?" I was like, "Yeah, that shit sounds good." But you know, what I mean? it's like you know, it's like it, 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 my mom. I guess she knew I was going to be different. You know what I mean? She probably had that sixth sense to say, you know what? Give this kid. I'm tired of it. My, her, my her father's name's Tony. Her husband's name's Vic. Her brother's name's Uncle Carmen. Rest in peace. Just passed away. My mother's oldest brother, Michael, Anthony. I mean, you know, it's the same shit. She probably was tired of it. She said, change this shit up already. She wanted to name him Salvatore, yeah, but yeah. it was too long. I think it was going to be, actually, it was going to be Christian, I think, my name. Chris. Chris or Christian. She was gonna really going to the left with the name. Wow. So, so she wasn't going to, she didn't want to do a typical Italian name with me for some reason. I don't know. My father was old school Italian and my mother was Irish. My father wanted to name me Gino. I came out. I had bleach blonde hair and blue eyes. And my father we have a Gino. We grew Gino. up with a Gino. Gino. Gino's going to be the chief. Gino, I didn't say that. <laughs> my, my wife's grandmother, when I, when I named my oldest son Patrick, because my middle name is Patrick. 
my my wife's grandmother almost broke down crying. She said, "Can't you name him Pasquale?" I said, "No, absolutely not. I'm not naming a kid Pasquale. I'm gonna he's gonna get his fucking ass kicked." <laughs> you know, you you try to you you try to guard against that when you name your children. So hey, you, uh, you, hey, name's Mike. Well, let me see. How can they make fun of Mike? You know, you, you, if the the kid's name's Patrick, why do you think I keep my son so lean? Because if he's fat. He's fat Pat for the rest of his life. Patrick. He's Patrick, right? That's terrible. Yeah, did. Well, don't think it didn't go through my head, bro. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we had a kid in high school. His name was Pasquale DeMeo. So we used to call him Pass DeMeo. <laughs> that's not, that's you know, like for us. That's like normal. Right? Yeah, it, it's a normal. The mail, the mail is the last name. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. I played, and this is this is a true story. I played high school against a kid. His last name was Hammer. His fucking parents name him Armand. MC. Yeah, <laughs> Armand Hammer. And he, I, so fun, I got to know the kid after playing with him for four years. I said, dude, your last name's Hammer. Why would your parents do that to you? Because my fa- they call my father Jack. I was like, oh, okay, next one's Jack, Jack Hammer. That's, and that's true. That's a true guy. He lives in Cumberland County. So, Stewie, you, you got a lot going on in your life, especially today. You're doing well. You're such a popular guy. You walk down the street. I'm, I don't know how you still have a voice left when you get home because you're yelling at this person. Hey, hey, how you doing? Because hey, everybody knows you. But I'm sure it was they know you now for the good things that you do. Where, let's go back 30 years, it wasn't always that way. So why don't you give our audience a little window into what your suffering story is like? Like Mike was saying, you know, growing up in Hoboken back then, we always said this, my friend, it was a dysfunctional neighborhood, put it that way. But we were like the most talked about on a block. And the reason be, I think a lot of a lot of it came from when I was a kid, like the suffering and stuff like that. A lot of a lot of um fear, anxiety, worry. My father was a football and alcoholic. You think he passed that down to you? I, I believe hundred percent it's genetic. Yeah. No doubt about it. And even my grandfather I'm on my my mom's dad, full blown alcoholic, degenerate gambler, both of them. Horrific. Like I said, my father coached us. He was the man. The fondest memories I have, my father was in Little League. He's coached us in 1980. We won a championship, and he get in the middle. And that's why I get the coaching stuff from him, too. I, I got a Little League team under his name. I call it Chirichella Boys, so the honor of my dad. You know, So mm-hmm. I don't have any hard feeling. Let me just put that out there. Now, I wish my father was here to see my daughter and the way my family's going out. He'd, he'd love it, man. He was just that. He's like me, but 10-pointer. He was always – he's where I got my – my way with people. He would be like in a, in a restaurant. You hear him say, hey, sweetie, when you get a chance. You know what I mean? Or, he was the charmer. He was a Wall Street guy. He was smooth. But he'd have lipstick on a collar. And my mother would <laughs> be flipping out. And my father became violent. And my uh, father would hit my mom. And you see my mom with black eyes. And loan sharks would call the house and say, I answer the phone. Typical day. Hello? Yeah. Where's your father? I don't know why. Being trying to be a half a tough guy that was 10, 11 years old, right? You tell your father we're going to kidnap you and your brother if we don't get that money. You know, so what does that do to a 10, 11-year-old kid? It instills a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When you go outside, they're out there. It ain't like it was a hidden thing. You know, we had clubs. Obogan was real. You know what I mean? You can put two and two together. So you didn't know who was who and who was saying what. So therefore, put a lot of fear. And I remember one time they, they came to the house in my eighth grade graduation. You're talking about wise guys. Yeah. My yeah. father got a beat. It wasn't the yuppie generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Billy Not and Tommy that, no. going to New York. You know what I mean? so, it was the real Gino. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted, they wanted their fucking money. They're not going to get their, language. They're, they're, not, they're, not, <laughs> they're not like this generation where they're going to try to get money out of you by trying to hurt your feelings. Okay. 
didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't forget the 20 on that one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I lend people money now. They didn't even talk about it. It's like, when you don't, you look, when they, I know a guy, Patty, he was an old school, he played, he was, a, he ran a softball league in Jersey City. He said, Stu, they told me, we didn't come to you. You came to us. You know what I mean? That's the bottom line. That's how they were back then. It was like, hey, we're not bothering you. You want to come, we want something, give it up. So anyway, long story short, you know, and that was like, that's how it was growing up. And, you know, you didn't know who was coming home. You know, my mother caught the bad end of it. And, and a, lot of, a lot of anger came in me at then, too. Like I, like, I carry a little chip. Like, it could still even come out today if I don't control. Like, like when somebody's, you know, you're resenting authority. Because mm-hmm. don't tell me shit. Nobody can tell me nothing. You know what I mean? Because, you know, because of what your dad and what you saw him go through and you didn't have that discipline in your life. and Because the anger came from me never stopping him. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want my mother to go through that. You know what I mean? And I was afraid. You know what I mean? I was afraid. I was a little kid. Right, so, you don't. Well, that's that's you your primary that's your primary emotion yeah. when your kid yeah. is fear. Yeah. It's you either know? fear, fear or happiness. Yeah, and, yeah. and without with the absence of one comes the other. Yeah, without a doubt. So and, and then all that going on, right? My mother and father, while I'm getting divorced. All right, I was young. Hey, right. your mother's got some got some guts because you're you're talking mid eighties, probably right? Eighty four. Eighty four takes a lot of guts for a woman in mid eighties in the inner city to leave her husband. Let me tell you something. My mother, at one point, she said, is your father there? I'd be in the house. My father basically was on the couch. There's a Wall Street guy. This guy was in Wall Street in the 80s. You didn't see that shit in the whole book, right or wrong. You had guys working in the Maxwell house. You had guys working on the pier. You had guys just doing whatever in the neighborhood. There weren't Wall Street guys. My father was sharp. He was he was the guy. Like him. And my grandfather was the most talented carpenter you ever seen. The two of them together in the whole book, you could have bought a block for like $10,000 back then. Really? And true. these guys' minds were just... True. They weren't fixed on nothing. They were just, yeah. they were what they were. What are you going to do? I know, I know how I feel because you know what? I can't get into that. Oh, I could have been. Listen, that was their life. This is my life. Could've Big been difference. A, you could have been a contender? Yeah, could've exactly. Could have been a contender. <laughs> so what they did made me the way I am today, right? Maybe I'm not that guy if I got everything. So I'm, I'm blessed to be the guy I am today, and I appreciate that. So like I said, my, my father be over the house. Call, my friends would call up looking for me. John Computer. He's like, you got any cigarettes on you, John? <laughs> Bring them home. My dad's on the couch, and my mother would call. Is your father there? Really, he's there. I, didn't, I, I don't know. Meanwhile, she's calling the cops. The cops are coming up the stairs. He's going out the fire escape. It was insanity. <laughs> it was insanity, dude. And it was like, and it went on like that. And then, you know, long story short, you know, I, I, I was, uh, you know, really, what was the greatest suffering? I would say, you know, like, and I heard Mike on the podcast. You know, my dad died. I was, I just turned 15. And that was like a real life-changing experience for me. That That is what put me on the street. You know, he remembers the way I was. I was like, I, I had no more feelings. Life just changed on me right there for that. For that, you know, it was it was all for me. I I really didn't care if I died at that point in my life. It was weird, and we didn't. And the relationship was there. It, it, the weird part I say is because you know you the love you have for your dad's like, my father never once. I never remember hearing him say he loved me. He showed it. He showed it. He you know he'd be there. We'd laugh and we'd joke and we'd play boy coaches. I know he did because he always took us out. He put the time in. So mm-hmm. I know he did. But I never heard him say it, and, and, and the attachment was so strong there. Not till years later did I really, like, just forgive and get it all over with in my 20s, you know, and the healing we go through was men. But, um, like, it was just a weird experience. But before they, before he passed, like, my mother would send me to my grandmother's house to eat, and i go there, and I'd hear the pots and pans, you know, going through the house. And my mother, my grandmother, was a sufferer of domestic violence. She would get beatings and have black and blues. She wouldn't go to work for weeks at a time, going to a factory. One thing I got from these men is I never put my hand on a woman. 
And I'm blessed to have that to happen to me. I know well, you I'm... have to learn from suffering. Whatever you. suffering you go Thank through, you. if you do not learn any lesson for, mm-hmm. from it, it is a wasted opportunity. A, a lot of these kids growing up who have seen domestic violence go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, you they say very easy to fall yeah, into that trap. Um, you know, hey, my dad did it. I'm going to do it. Or mm-hmm. they say, I saw my dad do it. I'm not going to do that. And that, I guess that goes with anything. It goes with addiction. It goes with bad behavior, however you want to say it. It could go either way because I've seen it go either way. It's it's one extreme or the other. It's either, it's never dabbling. Like if your father's a smoker, well, there's a high chance that you're going to be a smoker when you grow up. Or you could be so, you could be the antithesis of being a smoker. I'm not touching that shit. I watched my parents do it. I can't stand the smell. My antithesis means opposite. That's yeah, big, that's, a that's a big word. Right. I got a little scan. On I got it. Word. I almost Googled that. That was like serious. <laughs> oh, man. I got a <laughs> scan on that too. They both shut up real quick. They had the big words, and now we have the smaller words. That Wait, did understand. he say we're taking a break? And I thought you said I'm a right spot. Oh shit! <laughs> What'd you call me? You call me an anti what? <laughs> oh Jesus! That's why I keep smart people around me. <laughs> That's why we, we got Kevin here. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, uh, listen, I wrote a report oh, once in the God. police department calling my chief something that he did <laughs> ox, ox, oxymoronic. He thought I called him a moron. <laughs> Was he from Hoboken? <laughs> I, I remember my I remember my sergeant reading it too. He oh, goes, my God. "This is good." However. And he gave me that look. However, if you submit this, you realize he's going to think you called him a moron. I have word of the day toilet paper, guys. So I, I just learn a new word every day. It's all right. I just try to, I, I strive to be erudite. <laughs> there you go. How you like that one? That means elite. This is serious. <laughs> Let me write these down. <laughs> I'm going to use that my next motion in lawsuit. Hey, we're we're going to have a we're going to have a spelling test at the end of the show. Oh shit! I'm pretty good at spelling. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you were on the streets at twelve, getting fucked up. Well, here's here's I was going to say here's how it started. You made a good point over there. What? The kids do what the parents do. Mm-hmm. So, and I speak a lot of times. Like I haven't spoke to a high school team in a while, but prep prep is like the, the elite elite. And it's funny the day I speak at prep, a kid that was there actually he OD'd a few years back, and I said, "Anybody ever do drugs?" And he put his hand up. He's one of the kids with this OD'd. He's a whole bunch of kids. It's a shame. What's going on today out there with this? Friend? I didn't want to get into that stuff, but we'll go from now. I and what my point was to these kids. I said, "You're all big guys, right?" Guys can handle a few beers, right? Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah. I say, here's one thing you don't take into account. It's called genetics, what we talked about before. You inherit this disease. Yes. I believe sometimes it skips generations, which I'm praying to the good Lord with her little social anxiety. My daughter skips right over her and all that. Jumps. Go down to the next set of family down there. Leave us alone. We had enough shit already. I mean, we had, go, we had, to, you know go to the I mean? next block. Like, yeah, like, come on, man. Give us a break. Go to the next go to hundred Jersey years. City. Yeah, yeah, come on. Give me a break here. Like, we had enough shit to deal with. In the house, and doers, Cuddy's for and you old school people out there listening to me about hard liquor. Doers is all scotch and white label scotch and Cuddy Shark is scotch and liquor Galliano's Italian liquor. And we used to just hit, my house was the party house. You had to have Frangelico. I don't know. If, uh, I know what it is. The blue yeah. stuff, right? The blue no, stuff. no. The frangelico is that dessert. Yellow? The yellow? Dis- oh, the dinner, frangelico is dinner, with the jello or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, after dinner drink. Yeah, yeah. Honest liqueur, liqueur, all that shit. Well, anyway, we were just like the cigarettes were there. Like you said, yeah, yeah. Taritins. My father smoked the two stripes on them, the red stripes mm-hmm. on the pack. I, I, I haven't smoked. I haven't smoked a cigarette for twenty years. I was a big time smoker too. My parents smoked larks. 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 Yeah, the Lone Ranger used to do the. The Lone uh, Ranger used to do commercials for Larks. 
Wow, and so, day. yeah, listen, man, when I was 13, <laughs> when I was 13 years old, that's yeah. where I got them from. And exactly. guess, guess what I turned out to be exactly. a smoker. So, and my point was to the team, like, if you don't pick it up, you won't find out, right? So don't pick, you don't have to drink. I mean, like to have, like, I laugh. What What do you do? What do you do in, in, in an environment where you go drink? What do normal people do? They get their drink, right? They have their cigarette. Ah, oh, they relax, right? We have that ability. I don't need that. Like, you know, they have to start understanding these kids. You don't need that to put a chemical in your system to relax. You have the ability to have a thought, take a step back. I heard you guys talking about awesome breathing techniques that mm-hmm. I did learn in acting school back then. Want to, and it, there's so many things you can do to take a step back just to feel relaxed. So that's what they equated to. Yeah, they want a few beers. They want to have fun. They want to laugh. I said, so if you don't put it in your system, you won't have it. So basically like that, growing up, you know, that's where I started, man. I got in the house. I started drinking and partying, tanking years old i break my leg playing football right and him on the benches and church towels with a bunch of the usual suspects hanging out and i'm looking I'm, I'm down on the end of the bench now now i already smoked cigarettes as my brother told me he said just make believe mommy's coming take a drag and go like you saw her so that's how i learned how to smoke cigarettes so now i'm big I, oh i you know I by the way that is not it. how to do it kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not this is not an instruction manual but that's probably the the, the best <laughs> fucking description I've ever heard in my life of how to Listen, take a drag. Listen, you kids, are you kids? I tell my daughter every time, and parents, I say, if you see somebody smoking, drinking, run. I said because all those people who think you're not cool right now aren't going to be around in the next ten, twenty. I, t- I I talk to my daughter. Me, I'm fifty one. My wife is fifty. My daughter's twelve. We talk to my daughter like she's an adult. We break it down for her every time. Pitfalls, what to watch for, everything. And I tell her straight up, there's, there's no fun in it. There's no fun in it. I got the broken leg. I'm on a bench. Now, peer pressure, right, is real. Mm. You're hanging out with your boys, okay? And they're the big boys. These are all the football players, the stars in the neighborhood. I'm hanging out with them, and the joint's coming down. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, come on, man. It's coming to me. I can't escape Hopefully this it's one. it's done before yeah, it gets you know, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're talking heavy. I'm like, just give me a little bit so I can fake it. <laughs> Man, I hit on this, and I, in my mind, I learned how to inhale now, and I take that drag at 12 years old, and it's like, it's like the, the when Adam told, yeah, hey, come on, take the, the, Eve told him, take the apple off the tree, and now all of a sudden I did that drag, and I started getting paranoid. I was like, oh shit, what's my mom? Now I knew everything, now my mom's gonna know. Everything's gonna happen. I go, oh, where's my crutches? Oh shit, I gotta get ready. Like, and it started right there, 12 years old. But little did I know. Do I know I'm an addict? I don't know I'm an addict. What do I know? I'm trying it, like everybody else, right? Right, right. So, you know. So you, you progressed into, was it just weed? 14 years old, we're in a Sweet 16 party, and it's the same scenario. Here comes the PCP. Really? Holy shit. I'm saying. 14. 14. Now it's coming down the line again. What am I going to do? But this time, you ain't thinking about nothing. There's no reaction. You're smoking that and you're basically comatose. I always say when I die, they don't have to embalm me. I got enough fluid in my system. I'm good. good. You you skip that process. I went to rehab with a guy, Bernard, who was actually selling the PCP out of the funeral home training for, for, for heroin. The liquid, the dip they call it, the kids tonight. Whatever they do. You know, you guys. I think I tell you guys. And so on and so forth with the coke and with the crack. When the crack came in 85, guy that was a good friend of mine, he just got out of prison, did a long time. He said, look, so it's just new stuff. We're just throwing in with the weed and it burns. I didn't even know the name of it at the time. I didn't even know it was crack. We started smoking that. You go down that weird rabbit hole where hey, uh, somebody yeah. puts shit in front of you. like, yeah, hey, whatever. Uh, mm. Give me it. I can do anything. Because you think at that time... You probably thought you're invincible. There's nothing that's going to hurt you. I'm bigger than this stuff. I can beat this stuff. Exactly. And you're young. You're young. You got your whole life ahead of you. But you're also, 
you know, listen, let me sit in my, my psychiatrist chair for a second. You're trying to fill some sort of void, some sort of hole that you got. It's maybe it's because you said your dad didn't love you or something like that. That drug is a substitute for something that's missing. And I don't, I'm not going to sit at, here. And, at the time, just not to correct you, but no, 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 dad, no, no. Dad loved me, but never said he loved me. Right. Well, that, that's, that's, but, but yes. that, I don't want to put that out there, but that was, <laughs> so we don't have to edit that. We're good. But, but the reality was, yeah, he just died. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm angry. Yep. I'm angry, man. Any, I, listen, cop, friend, anybody, I'm, you're getting it. I'm not saying you're getting it in a, in a physical fight, but you're going to get the verbals coming out of my mouth. Fuck you. I didn't care. I didn't care at that point, man. I just had no feelings anymore, man. I'm not saying I was a tough guy, but I'm just saying I was just, I was an angry kid, man. I was just an angry person. Whatever could fill that void, like you said. And I loved alcohol. And I'm an alcoholic on top of that. I love to drink. <laughs> well, you got it all. I got it all. I didn't gamble. Gamble wasn't my thing. I didn't have no money to gamble. There you go. So I was like, wasn't going to gamble. Nothing. It was all on drugs and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to gamble. Nothing. At least, like, I know degenerate gamblers, they blow their money. What'd they get? They got nothing. At least I got something for my money, right? I got alcohol. I got drugs. At least yeah, I consume something. They get their legs broken. That's yeah, they yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we, this, and it's a, that's a tough thing for a, for a kid. And, it, and I'm... So did your new friends also get involved in that stuff that you got involved in? You know in? what it kind of felt like? Like when you came up, it was like the whole neighborhood didn't have a father. And that was the reality of it. Downtown was, downtown, like Mike grew up, Mike was in downtown, Mike was uptown, but it was, it was kind of, I don't know, downtown was just weird. We were three blocks away from the projects. We were right on Adam Street. We were right on the corner. We were where the cake boss was. Like I go out of the house, the cake boss, Carlos Baker was there, Fiori was there, the two, it was like, it was a great neighborhood, but it was like, everybody was dadless. You know what I mean? Like a couple dads were here and there throughout the community, but it was like, it was weird, man. It was just like, we were out there running. Well, that's, a, that's one of the questions that Mike and I were talking yeah. about. It's because we see this a lot in inner cities. The I don't know whether it's amplified or it's just put on a stage, but there seems to be some troubles with the youths in inner cities. And it's like, where are your parents? Listen, I got a, I got a spoon to the back of the head if I did some of that stuff. Is it that they can't control you or is were they not around? It, it, it was it was trust. You know, we trust. can go out. We can go out in a neighborhood. And everybody, it was a community, it was a family. So every, everybody looked out for each other. So I, I guess that they assumed that, you know, everybody was doing the right thing. <laughs> in, in, my, in my case, when I crossed the line, people were just like, he's done. What are you going to do? They, they Get money. Thought, I'm on the corner, but it's hustling dollars. You remember, if you remember. Sometimes they, be, they, they, yeah, they said, oh, he's, he's a lost done. cause? Yeah. He's done. Oh, Ain't nothing you can do with this guy. He's finished. Banging dollars on a corner, 21 years old when I, when I came into the rooms. Like, I always I always say the best thing for me was there's only one way to go that was up. There's only one way to go. I mean, where was I? I wasn't going. It was either that or die. Like, you know, the difference between me is, like, when you talk about, a lot of people won't understand about, oh, how are you an addict? How can you not just put it down? Like, people who can party with you, like, hard drinkers, hard users, they, they, they can live their lives. They can go to college. They can, you know, have jobs and, and, and have families. I'm still on the corner saying, what happened to me? How can I not get out of this rut? You well, know what I mean? Like you said, your father was a, was an alcoholic <clears throat> and he was a Wall Street guy. Mm-hmm. He went out and worked. Mm-hmm. And other people just yeah. wound up staying in that rut. I see this with PTSD. People say, you know, you, you go through that depression portion of the PTSD and people say, Stop being depressed. Well, it the best yeah. way it was described to me. It's it's like walking upstream, you know, chest high water, and people are on the the sides of the shore going, "Hey, just get out of the water, just get out of the water." But you can't. It's not that simple. If it was that, hey, what a great fucking yeah. idea that I, hey, put it down. I, I have an alcohol problem. You're telling me to put it down. Why the fuck didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that before? Yeah. 
And on the flip side, I'm a firm believer that I give it to God because of the fact that so many other people were with me in the trenches there too. They were bad. They didn't have the opportunity I had. And the blessing I believe was I got that bad that young. So that was a blessing for me. Because, you know, I was running like, I'm, I'm at 15, I'm a grown man. I had the bar shut down. Richie Kocher arrested me. Kocher arrested me. I got a six-pack out of a bar. I had a big mustache. I was 15. I got a bar shut down. I was 15 years old. I was getting a six-pack. Where'd you get that from? He goes, I said, nowhere. Well, get back. He grabs my I'll get it. He arrested the lady. She's yelling at me on the way to headquarters. I said, what do you want from me? I just grabbed a beer. Right Were you there. the one t- selling cigarettes on the street corner with Tommy D? No, that's Tommy D. Yeah. It could have been me. That could have been my part, too. But, uh, like, you know, it was just... I was blessed to get bad that fast. What was one of the worst things ever that you did when you were fucked up? Like I said, I, I thought of that. I, I thought of that question a lot. I, and God willing, ho- you know, hopefully I never killed anybody. I don't know. But like I said, I sold that PCP. I've had a lot of fights. I mean, I've hit people with stuff. I don't know the outcome of a lot of different situations. I'm not going to lie. But, I, you know, and I robbed a lot of people physically and in and, and cars. And, you know, a lot of you know, remember the Benzie boxes back then, the stereos you come out mm-hmm. with. I mean, I... I disrespected people the B&E's in people's houses I mean it was just like it was ridiculous I'm this not was prou- the pay for the habit exactly yeah. and I'm not proud of that and like I said I could have ate at home it, was, it wasn't like I was doing it for food I was doing it to get high period and drink whatever the case may be but I believe me the worst thing I could ever did I ever did I called my mother the C word and because she wouldn't give me five dollars until I throw her out the window she didn't give me money that was that was the big tough guy that I became okay and I, I thank my mother every is your mother still with us? Yeah. Yeah. I get emotional talking about it because I believe for me personally, if it wasn't for my mother's prayers, I'd be dead right now. There's no doubt about it. I always, and like, she's cocky with my recovery. And she's like, you got more years than that. I said, my, this is 29, next year is 30. She goes, well, I go to the 30-year celebration. Like, you know, because I'm, I'm sober, God willing, 30 years in October. But she's like, you know, she takes it like, she she relishes it and she, she takes pride in it. But there's a flip side to that because- you know, my brother, he's on the other side of this thing, and he don't, I haven't talked to him in a long time. So it's like, you know, the family's still being affected by alcohol. My my poor mother, from her dad, who was always, like, here, here was a typical day when my grandmother lived with us from 85 to 1991 because they were just in their 90s. I'll give you two stories. I'll give you the first one. The domestic violence call, a friend of mine, cop was on a job. Victor Lucatori goes, scamp, you know, <laughs> his voice. He goes, we got a domestic violence call in your grandmother's house last night. I said, what? This is like 2012. I said, my grandmother's in late 80s, early 90s. I said, what? My grandfather being stubborn wouldn't go away. And he's, so I go and I'm like the, like the mediator. All right, what happened? <laughs> my, my grandma's going off. And he's like this. And she goes, and he hit me. I said, Grab, are you serious, man? She goes, I'm getting my stuff. I'm leaving. I said, what? I said, now, I, in my mind, I'm saying, well, Grandma's coming to live with me. <laughs> what do I do? I shouldn't even have came here. They've been doing this for... Se- my grandmother was 70 years a slave to this guy. Now, and she left. She never went back. It takes what it takes, I guess. He, The poor guy died. I'm sorry. He took the headphone. probably yelling in his ear. No, no. The guy, <laughs> so, so he leaves. Long story short, I mean, it's like, what the fuck is going on here? So a typical day, we're home eating. Grandma, where's Grandpa? She goes, ah. He robbed somebody again. He was a he was a contractor. Took the money. My, 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 I get a ring, and he's in jail doing six months in the annex. Remember the annex? He goes, yeah. knock at the door. Who is it? Guy's about six five. Black guy, big guy, six five. I said, "What's up, man? What's going on? Your grandfather here? Who? Tony Ocell lives here? Yeah. Why? The mother starts going off on my grand. I'm like, the only thing I'm saying in my head is, how am I going to get this guy if he joins in? 
There was a cut call. My father said, sell knives over there. There's a knife sent over there. I said, I can't even get to that set. He's right here. He's blocking me. I said, we're done. I said, Graham, you fucked up this time. <laughs> but it was all right. The lady just went off. But my, grandf- my grandfather, I come out of rehab in 88, my first rehab. I'm, I'm 18. He says, come on, we got to work. We're going to go to Kamala's house. We're going to work. His daughter. His daughter. They get a $30,000 loan on house mortgage loan. We put in one big bay window in front of the house. We never go back. I said, Grant, when are we going back? He goes, ah, don't worry about it. He robbed him. He robbed his daughter. Oh this my is my God. family. This is, the, you know. So $30,000 $30, for a bay window. Oh, my come God. Come on. He got a big time. Atlantic City done. So, you know, this is my, and I always say, these are my role models. And not that I aspire to be like them, but you didn't have the man saying, Stu, hey, when you go on a date with a young lady, pull the chair out for her. Right. Treat her with respect. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't have, what you saw is what you saw. So. But the, the funny thing about your mother is, and I, I talk about this with my wife all the time because I've seen it, I've seen drugs destroy parents and kids. We've had this discussion, like, what well, you know, what do we do one day if that happens? Because I, right. I watch parents just disassociate themselves with children. Yes, you disassociate, but they're always your children. They're always your children, and you're no matter how disassociated. I've seen mothers have to sleep on their purses, or I've seen yeah, I've seen mine. I've seen mother mothers move and not tell their kids where they move to because they'll just come in and rob them. It's always your mother, so that's why your mother's still proud she's looking at the other side of suffering right now i'm gonna give you the best thing my mother ever did for me in my life came home from the second rehab she liked this my mother she likes she, my mother's a little rough she's rough she don't give a shit i'm i'm sleeping the first day i come home from the halfway house i was in north carolina and and, and rehab two and a half months i'm away and i, and I feel good man I'm, I'm like this is it man i'm done i'm done come home and i really was done I really wasn't, but she wanted to make sure I was done. So she pulled those little doors open in the bedroom. First day I'm sleeping. You know, the first day you're in your own bed, it's nice. Pulls the doors open. Do not go in that refrigerator. You're not getting any money. Back in the days, you didn't have cell phones. You're not getting a line in your room, a phone, talking to all these little Puerto Rican girls on <laughs> my, my, my dime. That's it. You want anything? Get your ass up and work for you. That's it. I'm done with you. I was like, all right, ma, have a good day at work. <laughs> like, right. can, I go, can I just sleep the rest, you know, another hour or whatever, just so I get up? But the best thing she ever did, because it took for me, it took a woman to make me a man. My mother made me a man. She was not playing. I got to live with my mother for about two more years, and then I moved out, my early recovery. But it was, she was the best, man. She was my, she was my biggest support, no doubt. I'm not here. I'm not here if it's not for my mother. And and but but she was not playing, you know. And that's that's my point to what you were making. Yeah. If anything happens to my daughter, my daughter's only 12, going to be 13. I don't know which direction, God God forbid. But the reality is, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I, I wouldn't know what to you do. Know what I mean? It's really? hard for me to even yeah. uh, give some sort of hypothesis yeah. about what would happen. But ultimately, that's my kids, man. And yeah. I'm going to do everything I can to yeah. save them. And sometimes saving them is trying to let them go. Tough and love maybe, is real love. And maybe that's what your mother yeah. did. Tough but love. Mike DePalma, you watched all this stuff happen, right, in real time. You saw this. You were near Stewie. You knew him, correct? I did. I did. What was it like watching your friend go down this bad rabbit hole? It was just normal to us in that town. You know, some people did, some people didn't. Now, I don't don't see him like that, nor do I want to. You know, I see him as an angel now. You know, I see him, you know, almost 30 years, and this is who he really is. Get your hand off his thigh, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Here here we go with the underwear thing. No, you know, it's just, I don't don't see him, you know. Was it tough to watch him go through all this stuff? He, 
you know, he hung out with a, a certain crowd and I hung out with a certain crowd, yeah. but everybody knew everybody. Right. And, yeah. you know, no matter what it is, you know, you, you just, you know, you went about your life and I don't, I, I try not to see people that went a different way, but, you know, I, I hit that with alcohol and so forth and so on, but I, I don't, I don't see him like that. I mean, this, this man touches his voice. It touches everybody. It's in Hoboken. You know, it's just the truth. You know, I don't really, you know, it, it's amazing what he did. And seeing the difference, the differences with Mike, Mike was, he got worse later in life. Right. Like I was, you know, I was lucky I got it earlier. So he wasn't, he wasn't going to be with the guys I was hanging out at the time. We were the street merchants. You know what I mean? So yeah. he wasn't going to be, a, you know, he was going to be a cop. And there's so many service. of them now doing it was fantastic. Different. You know, it was yeah. different. You know, you know, know what I mean? I, For him to be hanging out with me, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been right at the time. You know what I mean? Early on in grammar school, coming up, playing sports against each other. Yeah. Right. But then you just, you know, broke off after high school. It was well, what was the, gonna hang out. What was the point? <clears throat> all this bad stuff's happening. At what point did you say enough? Was it was it an event? Did you get arrested, or was it just you got really screwed up one day? I'm, I'll tell you what happened. I was smoking crack in the projects for like three days. I was beat down, dude. You know, I was with a guy who was trading dime bags of weed for crack bottles. He had a, like a he robbed it from some like bump bag. We'd just trade him on. We'd be in crack houses just smoking, you know. And every time, like me, I'm an alcoholic. So when I smoked, I had a drink to calm down. But it don't take me down. It does the opposite. And I get up again. And I'm like, I'm getting crazy again because alcohol was my courage back then. That's the bottom line. You know what I mean? Because I was empty. So when I drank, it filled me up. It filled that void. I was good to go. But I, I like I was by my old grammar school in 1991. I have the tattoo on my arm. October 8th, John Lennon's birthday. I actually got sober. So October 8th, I'm looking in the mirror like. And I believe it's called a moment of clarity from God. He's, he's show, I saw myself in that mirror. I saw myself. I clear. I said, dude, you're throwing a towel in, bro. What are you doing? You're 21 years old, man. Give yourself a break. It was like the, it came from no, it wasn't nothing that I was thinking about. And the next day I called a man who's still struggling today to get better. This was 91. He had a few years sober at the time. He's still like, that's a whole other story, but he made the call. I went back to the rehab that I was in and, you know, like I said, you get you. We get opportunities, but what do you do with the opportunity? Exactly. Like you guys got opportunity right now. If you can just like you can get like oh say somebody comes in oh you know what series anybody whoever we're gonna throw millions at these guys we love these guys boom and then you get the money and then what do you do you can start you can just start hey we're paid now man we can just chill a little bit we ain't got to do a show next week but I'm saying the opportunity you got do you still keep going hard on it? Well, you know what I mean that's you know, the key we, as far as. Financial reasons, you know? right? And listen, we're not wealthy guys, yeah, but yeah, we yeah. have our pensions. Say we didn't want to work anymore. We mm-hmm. could have. Mike and I will both attest. We we couldn't work for a long time. We weren't allowed to because we're on workers' comp waiting to go mm-hmm. through our pension system. The worst nine months of my life, I had no purpose. I had mm-hmm. no drive. Exactly. It, it was awful. It was awful. Then you start sleeping late and then you wake, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're waking up at 10, 11 o'clock doing anything to keep your mind occupied. And what what's the worst thing for See, I, t- I told this to both of these guys here. I'm an addict as well. I'm not an addict with alcohol. I can be with alcohol. I can be with drugs if I let myself go. I just do things 110% no matter what I do. So I've focused my addictions. Worst thing to do for any type of addict behavior is have idle time. Well, no. oh. I say an, 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 an idle mind is the devil's mm-hmm. playground. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, and the devil had a ball in my brain yeah, that idle time with me it just brought me way down it was I awful it was like i was reaching my hands out to everybody and, and no one was like grabbing it you know that's what i felt like 
Well, everybody's got normal lives. Even you know they they can't stop their lives for stuff that we're going through. So they just they, they try, but they can't be with you twenty four hours a day. And I kind of really needed that, so yeah. I went away to rehab, and then I realized I'm not an alcoholic. They're fucking alcoholics. <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a casual drinker. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> You know, I'm like class three or something. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not pro yet. Yeah. I'm not pro yet. I'm I'm they, these fuckers were pro. And my point is too to that. Like, yeah, you could drink you could drink regulationally. Why? Because you're just killing time. Mm-hmm. Where's the purpose? Like I said, you guys, you know, I could see it. You know, you you love this shit. Just, just looking at your faces, the smiling face. You're into it. You you love helping. That's the rush. I was talking to a kid this morning. He's like, he wants to get a car. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. Like, he's just getting sober. I said, yeah, I wanted a brand new car, too, until I started hitting that car payment and the insurance payment and the parking lot payment and, and the brand new, they don't even smell new no more. What the fuck? I, I could have kept my old car. I was riding just fine. <laughs> See, people always chase, you chase things. Yeah. You're not yeah. chasing things. You're chasing people. But that's no different. Spirit, but that's no different you know? than you chasing yeah, this feeling from drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. just trying to fill that hole. Yeah, and it's not doing it. Yeah, I watch exactly. guys in the police department do it all the time. They got this hole inside of them that they're trying to fill. So what do they do? They go out and get a gumad. Well, that doesn't fill it. So let me get another one on a, a gumad for the gumad. That doesn't fill. Oh, let me try to get promoted. So I'm going to step over everybody. And maybe that, and it just never fills it because they're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking in the wrong direction where, for me, what fills that hole in me is my penance, like you're doing right now. I do my penance. I pay it forward because that ultimately, that's what makes me feel better. Yep. You hit this rock bottom and they ship you off or who who gets you in the I rehab? Asked to go. I asked to go. My, yeah. I was blessed at the time. My mother's insurance actually called. She couldn't believe it when I called her. I was going down the drain again. I was like, "My, I gotta go." <laughs> I said, right, "How's that insurance working?" I told her, "We, how we looking?" I was listen. I was 130 pounds, 120. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big guy, but I'm not, I'm not frail. I mean, I always prided myself on when I got sober. I try to work out. I'm 51 now. I lose, you know, I, I ain't got it no more. But like, I always prided myself on being a decent chef. I mean, I was like, dude, I was done. I was just tired, man. Like I said, I saw my. I said, you know what it is too. Like, and you gotta act on that. You can't just be like, okay. I get it. I felt that yesterday. Now, today, I'm not doing nothing. I had to act on it. I went in, and I just decided. And even when I was in the rehab, walking around, like, you know, I start to hit the gym. Because we start to get power. Like, like if you don't do nothing to fill the time, like you said, you start to get powerful again. You think you can do it again. I'll be all right. I'll handle it this time. Still, mm-hmm. do it till you're 21 years old, man. Do it differently. You're not going to drink again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if those, those thoughts come in on a regular basis. Like, well, oh, that sh- forever is a, is a very powerful word. Forever. Oh, you yeah. can't. You can't. You can't drink forever. Yeah, that's today. a very, yeah. very powerful yeah. word. That's why I always like the one day at a time, one and it, it goes. Yeah. It goes into my theory of trying to keep your world small. I'm just not going to drink today. Exactly. I'm not. I'm gonna. I do this on on runs and things. I'm just going to run this mile mm-hmm. and focus on this mile, and that's how one day becomes two days, and two days. Next thing you know, you're 30 years sober. Yeah. Exactly. And that probably started with one day, exactly. right? And I was blessed to be around people who took it serious, and I was blessed to be around people who were going. And that's the key, too. You fill your time. But who are you filling your time with? Who you, you know, like the old saying, show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are. Mm-hmm. Now, so I was around men who have why, and they showed me these men. I was telling them about the guy, Pasquale C.O.D., loved the guy to debt. He was an officer on a job. Killed a guy not because it was a killed a guy not because it was a, a, a call. He killed the guy because he just pulled his gun out and blasted him. He went into the he went into prison and just you know he was the talk of the prison. I said he probably he, I, if I'm correct he had to finish his time in a ladies' prison to get out because they were trying to kill him. But men like that who are out and working and still he always just say one day at a time. Take it easy, relax. Yep. 
Relax. Don't want expect everything right away. That's a big mistake a lot of people make. Like, I was fortunate because I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a job. So me just getting sober at that time, all I had to do was basically, you know, take care of myself. And, you know, life started to happen for me. Things started to come alive. I always give people credit who establish families and stuff like that. And then they have to go back and repair all that, man. That's hard. That's hard work. You know what I mean? So I had guys like Pasquale show me how to be a man. People in my life show me how to be a man. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And life just started happening for me, man. It's awesome. A lot, lot of bridges to mend when you have a family and you're yes. going through that. Now you got to deal with the wife. you got to deal with your kids. you got to deal with this. Like you said, when you're on your own, your bridge is the only bridge you have to mend. This is going to end part one of this episode of The Other Side of Suffering. Stay tuned next week where we bring you the conclusion of The Other Side of Suffering with Stuart Chirichella. God, it's killing me, that name. Yo, Stuart Chirichella. Quite a cool fella. (laughs) We'll see you next week.